the, you've got the, yep. I think we called that the Britney Spears mic when we first started the church 20 years ago, but who, I don't know, the Beyonce mic now, maybe? That's it. That's okay. how it is. The queen. Um, thanks, Jeff. Blessings to you, buddy. Hugs, not drugs. It's, uh, it's really good to be with you guys. Um, <clears throat> my voice is still a little tenuous, so some of you know that, uh, well, apparently I'm a little taller than Louise thought I was, so got to raise this up, you know. Uh, some of you know that I was meant to be here um, last week um, to offer just a few words to you, and I got very sick, and um, while well, I mostly recovered, my voice is a bit weak, so a um, little heads up there. It's really good to be with you here this morning. Um, listen, friends, uh, what, a, what an interesting moment <laughs> that it is for all of us, and I just want to say to you, it's, I'm really happy to be here. I'm glad to be in front of you. I have a lot of hope and joy and uh, anticipation for the year uh, and the years to come. And I just want to say, like, I know that most of you don't actually know who I am, and there's a lot of trust that you're placing into the hands of Jeff and Adrian and the board and uh, folks that would kind of be considered elders here. And I just want to just say thank you. I know it's a, it's, a, it's a very weird time. I think the thing I'm most grateful for is that there's not like, you know, like when, you're, when we're in election season, when... It's like those finer, final hours where the, the votes are sort of on the screen. Like, I'm really grateful that that's not what's happening right now. So. Um, would, you, would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. We long for your presence, Lord. so grateful, God, that you have been mindful of us. Fill our hearts with joy. In Christ's name, amen. So I, I want to, I do not have a sermon for you this morning. But what I do want to do is just to offer a few words of reflection as we celebrate this third Sunday of Advent. And as you as a congregation, you know, make your final votes via text or a three-by-five card. Um, some of you know that I've been asked to serve as an interim pastor here at Central Vineyard. And if, in fact, we'll be moving together in that way... I really look forward to opening the scriptures with you on January 7th, which will be the first Sunday that I am sort of official, if in fact it goes in that direction, the votes come in. Okay, so we can stop with that? Okay. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just like not, okay. So January 7th, friends, it will be really important for you to be here. Um, it'll, I will be I will be preaching. We were going to have a congregational meeting after church where you will get to ask any question that you would want to ask, and I will answer the ones that I feel like I can't answer. Um, but today is the third Sunday of Advent, and in the more liturgical tradition of, of the church, the Catholic stream and the Anglican stream, um, today is referred to as Gaudette Sunday. Everybody say Gaudette Okay, that's your Latin lesson for this morning. Gaudet is Latin for joy. 
and it comes from the Latin mass uh, that is generally said on this particular day. And uh, the Apostle Paul writes in a letter to the Philippians, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your forbearance be known, for the Lord is near at hand. Have no anxiety about anything. A little pregnant pause there for all of us who wrestle with some anxiety. Have no anxiety about anything, but in all things, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. For the Lord is near at hand. I want you to hang on to that phrase. We're going to come back to that. And the primary text that is being read in churches throughout the world today is a text from Isaiah, which is the text that Jesus would read when he finally wanted to make known to the world around him who he in fact was. So Jesus opens up to the scroll in Isaiah uh, nearly 700 years after it was written. And Isaiah, the prophet, says this in Isaiah 61. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting, and so they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Then they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastations, and they will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery in the burnt offering, and I will faithfully give them their recompense and make an everlasting covenant with them. Then their offspring will be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the people. All who see them will recognize them because they are the offspring whom the Lord has blessed. And here, here we come again to joy. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts and as a garden causes the things sown in it, to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. And that's right, you guys can just say, thanks be to God or praise be to God in response to that. We'll, we'll get to practice that later. So Isaiah the prophet 700 years before the time of Jesus is speaking prophetically of a time when the people of God will be a sign for the rest of the world. 
That's you guys. You guys are a symbol. We're a, a symbol or a sign that is meant to declare to the world that God has come near to us. And so Isaiah is forecasting a time when the Spirit of God will rest on God's people with the result that the nearness of God and all of his blessings will come near. And that nearness is meant to evoke joy. The nearness of God is what causes us to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, says Paul. Again, I say rejoice, for the Lord is near at hand. God is close to you, is what Paul says and what Isaiah says. Have no anxiety about anything because God has drawn near to you. But in all things, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. The Lord is near. This is where we are meant to put our joy, and every year in this season, what we are meant to do is we are meant to take our faith and our hope and all of the things that we long for, and we are to be reminded that we can pour all of that longing and desire and hope and expectation for my life and your life and the world to be made light, and we can pour that into the Lord's hands because he's right in front of us. That's what we do at Advent. And this is where we're meant to put our joy. The Lord has drawn near to us. God has drawn near to us. And this is where I want to launch off uh, to share just very briefly a little bit of how I have come to understand what it is that the church is meant to do in the world. And how I have come to think about the primary work of God in the world. So that you can know just a little bit of what I think lies ahead for us as a church. What I hope that we will be able to do together as you cast your final votes. So four things. The love of God. The presence of God. The presence through a person. And the nearness of God in the world. So first, the love of God. It's really simple, friends. You are deeply, infinitely, and radically loved by God. Period. And I have come to believe that the only thing that brings change to people, like you and me, is the experience of the love of God. I want you just to take a minute. Like, when is the last time that you can recall just having an experience of God's love? And I don't know how that is for you. I don't know what that means for you. I don't know what it, what it means for you to experience the love of God. But if you just take a second, like, when was the last time that you experienced the creator of the universe drawing close to you. And here's the thing. I, I've been doing this pastoring thing for a little bit, and I'm going to tell a little bit of my story and the way that my pastoral vocation was really nurtured in the life of this church so many years ago. 
And I've been doing this long enough to know that the majority of the people that I talk with, the majority of the people that I'm, I sit with in spiritual direction or pastoral care cannot recall a recent time that they have experienced the deep and intimate love of God. And the thing that I have committed the rest of my life to doing is to try to like eradicate that. We are meant to experience God's love. It is why God has come near. And that is the thing that changes us. And so my question, one of the questions that I want to continue to ask together is, if I'm not experiencing much change in my life, in my disposition, in my capacity to love, in the, the practices and the habits of my life, the assumption that I would want to make is that there's something in the way, not of God's love to me, but of my ability to comprehend and experience the love of God. The Apostle Paul gives this beautiful prayer, and he says, I pray that you will be able to comprehend what is the length and depth and width and breadth of the love of God for you, comma, and this is incomprehensible. And it's like, what? <laughs> Paul prays for the impossible because with God, all things are possible and you can come to know and understand the depth of the love of God for you and that is the work ahead of us because the love of God will change you. So the primary thing that I want to do together to continue to build a community that is able to see and remind one another of the great love that God has for us. So you fast forward a year from now, it is my hope that you will be able to look around this room and you will be able to say, I, th I think John knows that he's loved by God and I can actually think about a conversation or we will be able to reflect back to one another God's love. This is, this is sort of where my hope lies. To learn how to notice and nurture the nearness of God in our lives and in our lives together. So that's the love of God. And the second thing is the presence of God. Because we experience the love of God through experiencing the presence of God. This is why God came near. The, the reason that we can bring all of our anxieties and fear and shame and heartbreak and grief and we can trust those things into the hands of God is because God is not distant, but he is in fact really, really close to us. And what we're doing here together on a Sunday morning, uh, gathering for worship and opening the scriptures and breaking the bread of the Eucharist is that we are coming to participate in the reality that God has drawn near and that we have access to the creator of the universe who binds up the wounds and releases us from captivity and delivers us from the things of darkness that are at work in our lives. How many of you know that there are just dark things at work in your life? Okay, great. I just am, am really aware that there are just dark things at work in my life. And it, it, it feels like as I get older, it's like I just bump into new things. Does anybody else, is that just me or is that also your experience? So I'm looking at some of you who have grayer hair 
Um, it's just like you just keep, you know, getting older, and you're just like, what is going on? Like, there's like real darkness at work inside of me. And the presence of God is pushing out the darkness. So when, when, when we worship, we are welcoming the presence of God. We come to experience all the different ways that the presence of God is revealed to us. And the presence of God is revealed to us in worship. And so when we come and we sing songs together, I don't know if, if you experienced it this morning or not. Like sometimes when I'm in worship, sometimes I have this moment where I just recognize that something in the room shifts. It happened to me this morning. It's like the first couple of songs, like the band was doing great and it sounded fine. But by the second half of the second song and into the third song, it felt like God's presence showed up for us. And I don't know, maybe, maybe that's just me. Maybe I just experienced it that way. But our hope is that as we come together, our collective experience of the presence of God in worship will begin to increase. That we will learn to nurture that together. And when we read and hear the scriptures proclaimed, we are entering into a story of the ways that God has been present to people from the very beginning. Guys, that's what this book is about. It's about people confronting and experiencing the presence of God and then trying to write about it and sort it out as best as they can, which is why it's so stinking confusing sometimes. It's because people are encountering the creator of the universe in things like burning bushes and, and like rivers and oaks and all kinds of things, and they're just trying to make sense of it. And the hope is that a, a community of people can learn to do that together as we embed ourselves and recognize that we are part of this particular story. And when we share in the meal of the Eucharist, what we share is a meal that Jesus gave us to remind us of his presence and to physically ingest the presence of God into our bodies. Do you know that that's what's happening when we take the Eucharist together? We are taking the presence of God and we're swallowing it into our stomachs with the hope and expectation that it will bring healing to both our body and our soul. And when we make room to pray for one another and speak words of encouragement over one another, when we invite the Holy Spirit to come, we are inviting the presence of God to come and to be with us and to pour out the love of God into our hearts. That's what we're doing together. So the love of God is the only thing that can change us. The love of God is manifest in God's presence. These two things go hand in hand. And the third thing is this, the presence of God comes through the person of the Holy Spirit. The presence comes through the person of the Holy Spirit. When I was 16 years old, I walked into a vineyard church in Cincinnati, Ohio. This is where I'm from. Actually, just north of Cincinnati, Mason, for those of you paying attention. I walked into a vineyard church in Cincinnati, Ohio, never been to a church like that, had grown up singing hymns my entire life. How many of you come from a church with hymns? Should be most of you, because that's a thing. Came into the presence of God in worship, 
looked around and people were like raising their hands high and I'm like, what is this place? And I got enough courage to simply just like take my hands out of my pocket and just to sort of slightly turn them upwards like this. And I was just standing there like this and I'm just like hiding my hands because I just wasn't very comfortable with that. And again, by the end of that evening, it was an evening worship service, God had poured out his love into my hands and over my entire body. And I had such a profound experience with the Holy Spirit that just completely filled me, filled me up with his love. And listen, I, I just, you're going to hear me say some version of that story dozens of times. Because I honestly believe that the general shape of my life over the past 30 years has been trying to figure out how to give away what I received on that day. The presence of God comes through the person of the Holy Spirit that we form a relationship with because the Holy Spirit has been poured out into you and, and has made a home inside of your body. And friends, listen, we are part of a wonderful heritage in the vineyard movement. And... Um, the beautiful thing about the vineyard is that we, act, we really believe that the power of the presence of God comes through the person of the Holy Spirit, who we can literally welcome into our presence and just say, do with us what you want. That's, that's my hope, is that we would continue to nurture the presence of God in the power of that presence. So the love of God, the presence of God, the presence through the person of the Spirit who then makes a home in your body and in my body so that we can bring the nearness of God that we experience together in this room out into the world. And that's, that puts us on mission. So friends, this is where we come and get filled completely up with whatever God would want to do and to heal inside of us. And then I don't think that we're all going to the same place when we leave here. Some of you will be going south, and some of you will be going north and west and east, which means that the presence of God that we encounter here and carry in our bodies through the power of the Holy Spirit disperses from this place, and we get to share that presence with our city and with the people around us. That's, that's why we're doing this where we get to proclaim good news to the poor and do the work of setting captives free and releasing prisoners from that darkness that we talked about. So friends, this is the best I can sum up in a very short way what I think our work is together in the life of a church. The love of God changes people. The love of God comes through the presence of God. The presence of God is found and mediated through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, which fills us up to go out into the world to share the presence and the love of God with other people. It's really that simple. And it's infinitely complex, which is why it's so fun, is that we get to learn as part of this story. So this is the hope, and we can rejoice in the simple fact that this is the work that is ahead of us. 
So I want to invite um, uh, the Eucharist. Carl's going to be leading us in that time. Friends, um, let me just uh, ask that you would pray with me. Would you just hold out your hands? Lord, as we turn our attention to this meal, I pray, God, that you would come and that you would begin to stir our hearts, that you would implant in our hearts joy at the simple fact that you have drawn near to us. In Christ's name, amen. Check. There we are. Sorry, friends. We now turn towards the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper. We share together in this meal each week, participating in the meal that Jesus shared with his disciples. I invite the worship team to come up and um, those of you who are trained to pray to come up as well. <clears throat> We're here because Jesus extends to us an invitation, strangers and friends, believers and doubters, the certain and the curious. <clears throat> it's always a mixed company that Jesus gathers and invites to his table, where in bread and cup he meets us, and through him we, who are different, are joined together as one body. So come not because you understand, but because you are understood. Come not because of how you feel, but because God has food for you. Come not because you feel deserving, but because Jesus invites you and welcomes you just as you are. Scripture invites us to examine ourselves before coming to the table. We become aware of our faults so that we can receive grace in our time of need. We confess so that we can partner with God for our healing. At Central Vineyard, we have adapted an old prayer to a song to make it a little easier, a confession song. Let's sing that together now. Hear these words of grace from Scripture. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As we share in this story, place yourself at Jesus' table. Go ahead, if you're willing, close your eyes. Imagine this morning that Jesus is hosting you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, imagine, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, imagine he took the cup and lifted it up. After supper, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again.
In a moment, I'm going to pray a consecration over the elements, but first I want to just give the instructions. So at CV, we have an open table. That means you're welcome to come and, and, and take. The bread is gluten-free. The, the wine is grape juice. That's <laughs> alcohol-free. We enjoy the meal by taking a piece of the bread and dipping it in the cup. If you would prefer a prepackaged wafer and juice, we have that here as well. Um, let me pray. Send now your spirit among us. Come in your presence, in this bread, in this cup, that as we come forward and present ourselves to you as living sacrifices, we may taste and see your goodness, be united in your love, and become one body, your hands and feet in this world. You may come forward now and share the Eucharist together. As you come forward, if you feel moved, you can go to someone on the prayer team or someone you know and ask for prayer. We believe also that God speaks to us for real as he's coming near to share his love. And so if you have something you feel like God has put on your heart, come and let me know and we'll, we may share with the congregation um, those words.